This episode of That Song from That Movie is coming up after this. In a world already full of movie opinions comes another podcast full of folk who think their movie opinions should be heard too. George Phil Fella and his ragtag bunch of friends as they head on a quest to give people another reason to love and or hate Yorkshire folk. Starring upcoming pop sensation Hi Honey Hi. and Twitch TV's very own Quad Bang. 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 That's me baby. With segments such as News and Treats Be Right or Proper Shop Real Natter and much, much more. Join us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, don't go anywhere. Yes, you, come back. Real voice for a sec, Jordan here, the bloke trying to be known as a film fella. All trailer spoofs aside, the Film Fella and Friends podcast is exactly what it says on the tin. Three friends, film nut, a musician, and a gamer who all love films, television, and pop culture stuff. So if you like your film reviews straight to the point, with no authority at all, delivered by a salt of the earth foot with a very Yorkshire sense of humour, definitely feel the world needs that right now. Plus interviews with musicians, creators, and industry insiders about their favourite shows and movies, along with general unadulterated waffle, we've got you covered. Go check us out wherever you get your podcast mirror mirror on the wall which weekly uk based movie and music themed podcast is the fairest of them all that's right it's that song from that movie Auto glass repair. Auto glass replace. <laughs> Thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your forty percent doc, thirty percent bashful, and fifty percent dopey host Dietrich, and we're joined by the heart of a pig, Alex. Usually, you give me the nice one. That doesn't sound yeah, very true. pleasant. Oh, does it? I mean, maybe the heart of a pig is very is filled with with love and compassion. So that's I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to take it from that perspective. It was meant as a slight, are you? Yeah, I thought it was, but. <laughs> I'm just going to breathe right past that. <laughs> and we're also joined by a delicious apple pie, which makes mouths water. Ben. I got the good one. You sure did. I don't know what I did. <laughs> Something. It's 2021 now. It's all changed. <laughs> Is it one of those McDonald's, I've just got a scratch thing on my Monopoly French fries to win an apple pie, that sort of level? I don't think they had McDonald's in Snow White, so no. Mm, I don't know. We don't know what's happening off screen. Although saying that, those apple pies do look like they are, are cursed. I assume most food in the film is cursed. And also McDonald's. <laughs> well, I was thinking, like, they definitely are cursed when you take that first bite and it scalds your mouth. Can't ask Santa anymore, so I'll just ask it. What have you been watching this week? I did watch one film, but it was a Christmas film, so I don't think I should mention it. So you know, was, it was it The Christmas Prince? No, well, no. Christmas Switch. Sorry, The Christmas Switch. It wasn't, actually. It was, it was, <laughs> again, I've done this again. It was the uh, the new version of The Grinch. Yeah, so you're always, you're always one film too late. Yeah. It was uh, it was all right. It wasn't as good as the Jim Carrey version. I enjoyed that Pharrell was doing the narration, but it was kind of weird because, like, we discussed obviously in that episode that it was Tyler the creator that did the song. Yeah, but it's Pharrell doing the narration. But it kind of it goes in from the narration to the song at the beginning, and it's kind of almost like it's suggesting that it's the same person. I think Pharrell just has a deal with Illumination. <laughs> <laughs> he did happy, didn't he, for Despicable Me? But yeah, in terms of TV, I'm watching his Dark Materials on BBC. That's all right, though. And I'm watching Industry as well, if you guys have seen that. I think people are heard of it. describing yeah. it as the adult version of Skins. 
great. I thought that was shameless. I thought that was EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's good as well. What about you, Ben? I watched Mank. Is that any good? The new David Fincher film on Netflix. I've heard mixed things. There's a lot to like, but it's one of those meandering films without a point. Yeah. I think if you can just accept that, you might enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it in the first half an hour, just turn it off. Yeah. Is it about Manchester? No, it's not. It's not about that. So you, you might <laughs> it enjoy be it. More, couldn't be more removed. <laughs> it's about a screenwriter for Citizen, Citizen Kane. But isn't the fundamental problem with this that like they made a film about the making of Citizen Kane, which I think has been done before. You can say what you want about Citizen Kane, but it's obviously very well regarded. So this film could never be that film. So it's always going to be like playing second fiddle to that film anyway. That's the thing, Alex. I think I think that's a, a misnomer. The film is supposed to be about that, and it's oh, just it not. <laughs> it's oh, just, okay. I think it, it's basically everything in and around it of the time. It's like the time when I was writing the screenplay, I was doing also these other things. Oh, I see. Okay. So yeah, it's not good. Fair enough. What have you been watching this week, Dietrich? Thanks, Alex. <laughs> I've started watching Good Omens on Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, the Terry I Never Pratchett got into it. Gaming, gaming thing. Finished the second episode the other day, and I still can't tell if it's actually good or not. Anything that isn't involving David Tennant, which is like 55% of each episode, is really boring. Who's it? Is it Michael Sheen? Yeah. 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 Who's just Michael Sheen? Yeah. Yeah, he's not the most versatile of men. <laughs> which is interesting, isn't it? Because he always does like these character roles. And I was like, oh, it's yeah, great. Yeah. It's like David Frost, or he's great as Tony Blair. But it's just, it's just Michael Sheen, I think. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Chris Tarrant. Oh yeah, Chris Tarrant. Yeah, Chris. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. he was good as Chris Tarrant. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, he's okay. good at doing the. He's sort of good at doing the voices, but he always just looks like Michael Sheen, so it's difficult to get around. Right. So today's episode is the songs of the animated movie which started it all, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So to find out what's happening in the world, I bet this was tough, Ben. <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, over to you, Ben. No, it was fairly tough. Yes. So let's go back, way, way, way back. Further back than we ever have gone before. And probably will ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a challenge. Mm. That's a challenge. Ah, we can definitely go earlier. When sure. was Wizard, Wizard of Oz? That was Thursday. Around this time, yeah. But yes, we're going back to December 1937. Wasn't the nicest period. The days of peace following the First World War starting to crumble. Hitler apparently has a secret meeting to decide to snatch Lebensraum, or living space from Czechoslovakia. The Japanese Imperial Army launched their assault on Nanking, the capital of the Republic of China, and Italy decide enough is enough and resign from the failing League of Nations. All <laughs> happy things. The world is crumbling. Let's bring on Snow White. But there was also some lighter stories from the time that I did manage to find after scrolling for a while. The British comic The Dandy publishes its first ever issue with such staple characters as Desperate Dan, and soon to be part of the classic rivalry with the Beano in less than a year, which was launched, I think, in July 1938. Were you a Beano or a Dandy person? Beano. Yeah, we had the Beano annuals. I think I had every Beano annual from 67, I think. Not in good nick, but I had them. And you don't have them anymore? I think my parents still do buy me the Beano every year. It's always in the stocking. Can't say I read it, though. Sorry, Mum. She literally got you a new Beano annual last week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan. You'd be grateful. Yeah, sorry. Can't remember. A week ago. Thanks, Mum. Dr. Zeus publishes his first ever children's book called To Think I Saw It on Mulberry Street in the US. Number seven in the list. <laughs> yes. And paved the way for a legendary career. And finally, Mae West. Do you know who Mae West is? Yeah, actress. 
Yes, very much. Actress and legendary provocateur, star and stage and screen. She had a very infamous radio broadcast at the time about Adam and Eve, banned after outcries from the League of Decency. Felt it was too sexual for the ears of the American public. How amazing is the League of Decency? I love that it was too sexual for the ears. That should have been the name of this podcast. It had such lines as... You can rummage in my wood pile and things like this. <laughs> but this is 1937. I think Mae West basically built her career on the double entendre. And as far away from the raunchy stylings of Mae West as possible, a little production company over in Los Angeles, California, was getting ready to release the first ever feature-length animated movie, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. For those of you living under a rock or with no childhood, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is a 1937 animated movie by Walt Disney Studios, based on the 1812 Brothers Grimm story, Snow White. The film follows the titular Disney princess as she flees from the clutches of the Wicked Queen, unhappy that Snow White has been predicted to be fairest of them all. She runs into a ragtag group of unkept dwarves in the forest and holds up there, while the Queen begins her search, poisoned apple in hand, to take her out once and for all. So, I'm assuming... Hopefully, you guys have seen this film. Yes. Yes. Thank heavens to Betsy. What do people actually think of the film? It's it's an okay, it's an okay film <clears throat> in the sense that I remember being unnerved by it as a child by the Queen's transformation, and as an adult, I'm unnerved by the Prince being so creepy. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it's just a case of like time doesn't look too well on that bit, but main takeaway was nice film, good songs. What is going on with that Prince? <laughs> By creepy, do we mean like lecherous, or do we mean as in like uh, a bit scary and haunting? The queen or the prince? The prince. In a sort of, if you did that, you'd be on a register. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yes. That kind definitely. of creepy, yeah. Because actually, my take on the film, especially when I was like rewatching clips this morning, was actually how creepy it was in terms of the way it looks. Like it was just so haunting. And the, and the vocals as well, which we'll come into. I don't know, it made me tingle in a really uncomfortable way. I think it's just... <laughs> maybe it's because it's the 30s and it feels like such a lifetime ago now. Yeah. In terms of my interpretation of this film, it's never really been one of my favourite Disney films, but I, maybe it's one that I've not watched that often. Or maybe it's just because of how old it is. It, it kind of does feel very much in the mould of musicals of that kind of time. And I think it does... It, does, it is very... Because even though it's, this is probably where... It probably originated that Disney animation style that you'd see later on, um, that sort of classic where everyone imagines it to be. It does actually have quite a distinctive look in itself. I think it almost looks like a uh, an animated interpretation of what films looked like at that time, which sounds stupid to say almost, but that's kind of how it looks. Like It looks like a silent mm-hmm, film, mm-hmm. but in colour. And like in, in terms of the Snow White and the Prince especially, like it even looks like they've got silent era movie makeup on <laughs> like they've got really pale faces they've kind of got quite yeah defined lips as well especially the prince was very noticeable it's really interesting you say that because alongside i guess the developing art styles of the time a lot of the women who were working on the film actually used makeup on the drawings from snow white to <laughs> sort of accentuate her cheeks so they used, they used actual makeup on the drawings wow that's cool so you were obviously onto something there Alex. yeah it clearly shows through because it does look it genuinely does look like it <laughs> she's haunting i think the film's so- somewhat enjoyable it doesn't really have the oomph or depth of some of the films that followed even of the time like pinocchio and dumbo i think have a lot more weight I think what I enjoy of it is the nostalgic charm. You know, I had a lot of Disney sing-along VHS when I was a kid, 
and a lot of these songs were on it. And I guess the smiles that the film brings out, memories of those times. Yeah. But it's also hard to deny the importance this film has in cinema history, not just animation. I mean, almost every Western animation, and even some further afield, owe themselves to what Snow White did, you know, that feature-length film. Like, Walt Disney was a bit of a cinephile, and he encouraged, like, all his artists, which there was a lot of them, to go out and see as many films from across the world as possible to get inspiration. So, like, big films at the time, like Romeo and Juliet, so there's obviously a lot of inspiration there, and I think that might be some of the things you were picking up on, Alex. There's that, that classic, almost like Robin Hood, like the uh, Errol Flynn films, yeah. of how like the prince moves. Um, but also like the German film, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, like the haunting scene through the woods, you know, with the sort of twisting wood sort of almost coming to life. I think it's inspiration from Nosferatu. Nosferatu. <laughs> Where, like, how the Queen moves and things like that, and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with, like, the transformations, because that had just come out at the time. Oh, yeah. So there's lots of different that. inspirations from the film. All those, these quite dark tales, in some sense, into a quite a light-hearted film. Mm. I don't know if you guys have seen, like, the videos of, like, how they put this cartoon together with the whole, like, layering of the cells. It's, it's quite incredible, really, because you just don't, you just think everything, like, back then in terms of animation was, like, flick book style. But then yes, to see yes. them sort of like placing them so they can move the camera through, especially in that scene through the woods. It's incredible, isn't it? It's, it's unbelievable. Like the amount of time it must have t- taken to construct is quite unfathomable, really. Um, probably quite pioneering in terms of sound as well. I think because a lot of films were still probably silent at this time. Or well, certainly we were in that sort of period. Yeah, I mean, the very, the very first incorporated compressed sound film was 27, but it was still... Silent movies were still dominating until the early 30s. Yeah, I think I was re- I read just a little bit about the sound uh, that was used in the film because of the way the, the music, uh, the, the vocal sound, I was quite interested in, in that. But in terms of the synchronization of the sound to the art style, apparently this was one of the very pioneers in that in that regard, in terms of how they synchronized the, the, the noise yeah. to the actual animation. But as well, I think I also read that a lot of people were sort of referring to it as a silent sound film. Because they still utilize okay. a lot of sound breaks where there's just no noise. Because obviously with animation, there's no natural sound anyway. You, everything has to be input, which is something, again, you don't really consider. But obviously there's no sound on a drawing or on, a, on an animation on a computer. So you have to put in every single sound. And I think films nowadays, you would just expect it to be some sort of noise throughout the full thing. Mm-hmm. But there was like one scene in particular that they drew attention to, which was when the dwarves first encounter Snow White. And there's a lot of like just silence to emphasize yeah. the sound. It's kind of a hybrid because it's that silence is what makes the sound stand out more. So it's like that's quite interesting as well. Really interesting. It's incredible to think of how they used to do it. I mean, 750 artists drew more than 2 million sketches to make this film. And in the end, I think the final cut is a quarter, is just over a quarter of a million separate pictures, wow. which is just, That's... that is dedication to craft, isn't it? And yeah, like you said, the multiplane camera that they invented to do those sort of tracking shots, it was all incredible. And like, I mean, even for the time, the film's budget was one and a half million. And on initial release, it grossed roughly six million, making it at the time the best selling sound picture to date. Didn't last long because Gone with the Wind was only, was about to come out a few years later. One of the best facts, obviously, this is the first feature-length animated movie. The soundtrack was also the first ever published commercial film soundtrack for general sale. So this is the first ever movie soundtrack. Ooh, what a tidbit. And I think that's a great fact. That is an amazing fact. Well done. Yeah, we did it, boys. We found it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yep. And then we just do it all chronologically from this point out. It's all downhill until we get to Connor. Yes, that's definitely true. 
The soundtrack was composed by Frank Churchill, who also did Pinocchio and parts of Bambi, which, however, that's quite a tragic story in that I think Walt Disney really didn't like the work he'd done on Bambi, and he was not having a good time of it at sort of that release, and he killed himself while at the piano. So this is kind of one of his, alongside Pinocchio, his lasting legacy. A lot of the success of these two films are attributed to him. He worked alongside it with sort of various other Disney staples, as Larry Morey, who did most of the lyrics, and Paul J. Smith and Lee Harline. So at the time, Disney didn't have its own music studio. So the music for this film, along with a few others that followed, is actually owned by Bourne & Co. music publishers and still is. Disney don't own the rights to the soundtracks for these songs. They took them to court in 97 to try and get the rights to use it for like merchandising or advertising purposes, but lost. So Bourne & Co. music publishers still own Snow White's music. <laughs> That's crazy. Nice. And when you think of how much Disney owns nowadays, they still don't own the rights to their first ever feature film soundtrack. It's really funny actually that you say that because when I was listening to the songs, I was kind of half expected to recognise one as like something they use nowadays, like in the intro or something. And I was like, I don't really recognise any of these from, and that's clearly why, because they don't. Yeah, it's amazing. Before we move on to the songs, how many songs could you name before you sort of looked into this? Two. You can only name two. Uh, three, I think. Yeah. Okay, so so they're really not stuck in your mind. No. What were those two, Alex? Hi Ho, obviously, is the one that immediately yep. came to mind. And then Whistle While You Work was the other one. I can't remember the name of it, but it's something like Wishing Well. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, well, that kind of allows us to move swiftly on. Because I can't believe you could only name that. I tried and I could name five. It's going to be one of those things where you say it and I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yes. Yeah. Uh, and yes, as soon as, like, I did the list... For which there is eight songs in total, eight original songs. I could recognise them all once I read them. But one of the ones you recognised, D, is the first song in the film. And most of the songs in the film are incredibly brief. And this one is called I'm Wishing. So this is the first song from the film. And by extension, the first song in feature-length animated canon. There you go. (laughs) So in the film, Snow White sings as she cleans in the courtyard of the Queen's Castle. The prince overhears her and listens for a bit while sitting on a wall before he jumps over and meets her. Careful, prince. Approaching from behind. <laughs> yes. Um, this is breaking and entering. This is harassment. And she rightfully runs away, if I recall. <laughs> yeah, but she also falls in love with him pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's a side issue. <laughs> that's a side issue. Do you remember this song? What do you think of it? This sort of is the archetypal Disney princess song, right? The want yeah, song. Like, I'm pretty sure Cinderella has the same song. Establishes the equilibrium of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's the archetypal want song. I think it is, and it's that sort of like what they're yearning for. I guess this is our first introduction to this famous voice, the very first voice of a Disney princess. What do you think of this voice? It's very high pitch. <laughs> yes. But this is it's what interests me. Like, I listened to all the songs this morning. And it's really what interests me, because it's kind of, it's very warbly, and it's very thin. Yes. Mushy vibrato, I've seen it be called. Mushy vibrato, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, but I guess it's maybe what the kind of sound maybe that was coming off Broadway and stuff like that was at the time, I don't know. But the recording, I think probably because of the way it was recorded, maybe they didn't, I'm not entirely sure what the technology was in the late 30s, but I'm guessing it was before there was a shift to electrical, possibly, not sure. But um, it's very, like, canny. You know, it's like it's been performed in a tin. (laughs) It's the style of singing that I imagine is coming through a old-time radio, the sort of, like, brown hemisphere little speaker on the front. Yeah, yeah, with a big, with, like, sort of, like, a big horn coming off the back. Yeah. 
So the character of Snow White is voiced by Adriana Casalotti. Good name. Yeah, cracking name. Who was apparently selected by chance. A Disney studio exec was ringing her father, who was a voice coach, and they heard her in the background. And apparently she sounded like a 14-year-old girl, which was what they wanted. <laughs> Make of that what you will. Um, Let's leave that there, shall we? I think they wanted that childish, you know, it's those reaching those incredibly high notes. Yes. I don't think Snow White is supposed to be 14, but apparently they just wanted that twee without rasp. Apparently they had someone before, I forget the name of, but she was like 17, but sounded like a 30-year-old woman, which they didn't want. <laughs> but to be fair, I, I kind of made that comparison to Elsa in The Frozen. Idina Menzel just sounds too old. <laughs> She's an amazing voice. You can't deny it. Uh, let it go is a jam. But it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. So after that, we quickly progress into the next song, which is called One Song, which is where the prince, voiced by Harry Stockwell, just bursts in singing to Snow White during their first meeting. He is overheard by the evil queen. Snow White is later heard humming this to herself. And a bit of a spoiler, the prince also sings this as he's approaching to kiss her. The prince needs to check himself. <laughs> this was the one song where, when I saw it on paper, I was like, I have no idea what that was. When I heard it, I was like, oh, I, I kind of remember this. It's only four verses, so there's not a lot to remember, but that's kind of given in Snow White. But yeah, did you actually remember this song? I think it had, it had like a grain of familiarity about it, because obviously I've yes. seen the film before, but not for a long time. It, when I was watching it, it was kind of the two songs are like back to back, aren't they? Like they sort of yes, like basically. accompany each other. I think the guy singing has a has a lovely voice. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. But I think it's it's such in stark contrast to her voice, which is kind of like so so yeah, so like what what was the term? Something vibrato? Mushy vibrato. Mushy vibrato. And then he comes in like with this booming, strong voice and it's like it's almost like it has been recorded differently. Like he's his voice has been recorded like years later down the line on some sort of incredible machine. So it's um, the two do complement each other quite nicely. But yeah, there's obviously the undertones of what is going on <laughs> in terms of the prince approaching her, trying to touch her from behind. She runs away and now he's singing to her in a window. I remember the prince singing. I do not remember what he's singing. So if one of you wants to give it a, a go to remind me, I've often compared. Alex's voice to Harry Stockwell. <laughs> I can't Stockwell. remember how it goes, so I, I would love to. Have that so it's something like, I have but one song. That sort of thing. <laughs> and then something else, I don't know the words. That didn't help. No. But hey. here's a fact. <laughs> Apparently, there wouldn't be another Disney Prince song until Aladdin. What? That can't be right. Is that Apparently, true? I, f I felt like the guy in Sleeping Beauty sings, but maybe he doesn't. Please, someone check it out. We'll, we'll check this before we put it out on the recording. <laughs> but I've read this. We will not check it, and this will be <laughs> no! how we go into the break. <laughs> so next song and third song in Snow White is called With a Smile and a Song. So this is after the Huntsman has chickened out from killing Snow White. Uh, she has run through the woods, through this sort of weird nightmare horror scene. She is comforted by a nice group of woodland critters and tries to cheer herself up a bit with a smile and a song. This was, again, one that I was like, hmm, I, I, didn't, I couldn't recall off the top of my head. What's, I mean, did you guys, you obviously didn't know this one since listening to it. Have you listened to it, first of all? I don't even know if I found this one. What was it called? With a Smile and a Song. I don't even remember listening to that. That's not ringing any bells for me. 
that I mean, I've just described it. Basically, she's after, after the woods. She sings it with the animals and kind of cheers herself up. Isn't that several of the songs? It's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How dare you, Alex? It's not particularly memorable. It's only four verses. It's a very brief song. She cheers herself up very quickly. The point of the song seems to be, I cried. How embarrassing. How humiliating. Oh, well, I'm happy now. How unladylike. How unladylike. Probably a very fitting understanding of what emotions meant in 1937. A cripple on society. (laughs) So let's move on to a more well-known song, I feel, which is the fourth song in the film, Whistle While You Work. In my opinion, this is the first big song of the film. Performed again by Casalotti, upon discovering the cottage of the seven dwarves, Snow White decides to clean the house and its contents, thinking that its inhabitants will be grateful enough to let her stay. And obviously the forest animals, who are now her best friends, help her as she sings. Now you must know this one. Yes. Yes. Do you like this song? When you think of a Disney animated movie song, this is to me is one of the first visual images that come to mind. Like, you'll have this sort of thing happen again in Cinderella yes, with the dress. Yes, yes, Yeah, Sleeping Beauty. It's, it's always spoofed, like in that Family Guy episode. Yeah. It's got a memorable beat, and although they're all saying that, it's got a memorable beat. It, I don't think it's got memorable lyrics. I remember like, the title words, and then after that, it's just... Because I can't remember the rest I'm a merry tune. And then, yeah, I don't know I don't know much else other than the do-do-do's. Yes, I'm a do-do-do kind of guy. Alex, do you want to add anything? No? Okay. Um... Yeah, I did want to add something, actually. <laughs> so, but this isn't really about song. It's more about the actual visual scene. So there's a really strange bit where they're washing the dishes, I think, in the sink. And the actual tap of the sink is like a really weird face. And it's like gurning away as war is oh, yeah. pouring out of yeah. its mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what is that about? What, what kind of artistic choice was that? <laughs> Gothic. It was very early on in the process. <laughs> yes. It was quite interesting when you're saying about forgetting the lyrics. Now, apparently reading up on this song, there was a popular sort of playground version of this in the sort of 70s and 80s. Now, I'd never heard this. Oh, sorry. It was from like the 50s to the 80s. Now, I'd never heard this. And apparently it goes, Hitler is a jerk. Do, 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 do. Mussolini is a weenie and something else about war. <laughs> now, I thought... I've never heard that. And then I was talking about this song at the dinner table with my in-laws last night. And my father-in-law started singing the Hitler is a jerk version. So clearly, (laughs) clearly it was of the time. Wow. It's such like a 50 to 80s thing where (laughs) Hitler, he was a jerk. Yeah, and Mussolini is a weenie. There's also a slightly more offensive version, um, which I will not speak about on the podcast, but it involves uh, Hitler's nether regions. Now, this is both another song I think you both remembered, and on to bigger and better things. Hi-Ho is a song sung by six of the seven dwarves in the film. Apparently, the phrase hi-ho is a common utterance that you would say, like in nautical themes, sort of um, mark the rhythm of movement. So it kind of fits very much with what the song is about. But yeah. This has got to be one of the biggest songs of the film, right? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think it's the most well-known. You think it's the biggest? Yeah. That's really interesting, because we'll get onto that soon, but yeah. Do you think this is the most famous song? I absolutely think it's the most famous song. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm sure, I know I know which one you're referring to that we're going to come on to later, which I think is probably supposed to be the set-piece song of the yes. film. 
But this is definitely the one that people would remember if you asked them. 100%. 100%. 100%. I think so. We have an audience of 100 people. (laughs) Yeah. We have a audience of one. Oh, have I I preempted your top five then? No, you have not. No, don't worry. Okay. (laughs) That's just going to be named the dwarves. (laughs) I thought that's well. Carry on, Ben. Sorry. Top seven. No. Yeah, the phrase hey-ho first appeared in 1471. So it's clearly a very, very old phrase. But I was looking at the lyrics for this song. Oh, dope, and this shattered my morning. This Honestly. This shattered my morning. <laughs> what is it about the <laughs> Great, so we might be on the same beat here. What is it that sort of stuck with you, Alex, about the lyrics? Well, because I thought it was hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. But I was watching it and thinking, well, they're not going to work, they're going home. Yes. And yeah. then that's when I read the lyrics, and it's home from work we go. Yep. You're actually blowing my mind right now. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing. We're all singing the same. So there's a reprise, and I've not listened to it. There's a reprise on the soundtrack, I think, because in the description it says, as they come home from, and in brackets, and go to work. So I think the reprise is a version where they're going to work, because right. there must be. Because there's no way we've all fallen into some sort of hive mind trap where we all have the lyrics wrong for this. It's like the as time goes by again. It wasn't until afterwards that I looked at the lyrics. But when I was listening to it, it sounded still like they were saying, it's off to work we go, unless it's just my mind is just re-correct, like reordering it automatically. Yeah, yeah I watched this recently, and it, they definitely don't say <laughs> it's it's home, was it? We it's, work from home. It's, it's home to it's home. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they predicted the coronavirus. <laughs> it's home from work we go is the line. Yep. I'm not having it, no. I know. Honestly, my, my entire world view was just changed this morning when I read that. <laughs> mind shattering. There's also some of the things I, I was slightly pondering on, and... I couldn't get to sleep for hours last night, just thinking over and over about one line, which is, though we don't know what we dig them for, now are the dwarves being extorted? Do they understand the monetary value of all these diamonds and rubies that they're picking up? Because they're huge, and look where they're living. Where's the money going? They've yeah, got barrels. The They've going. got barrels full of diamonds. <laughs> like, literally, like in like 30 seconds, they're pulling out like two barrels. There must be a few hundred, like a few grand in there at least. The size of their fists? Dopey's putting them in, over his eyes? What's going on? What, I, I, I just couldn't understand. I, they could afford. I'm sure they could afford a cleaner, at least. Or afford to live in their own house. Yeah. Rather than seven to a bed. <laughs> Someone's exploiting these dwarves. Yeah. And I wonder if it's the queen in the background. And that's the real reason she's annoyed. She don't want Snow White to discover them. And shatter her own all sort of, uh, you know, blood diamond operation going on. No, it can't be, because she pays them well, because she is the fairest of them all. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. The fairest of them all is not about looks, it's about equal pay. <laughs> and that's what she's worried about. You say that, though, that there's, it's Snow White not exploiting all those animals and making them clean <laughs> in the house and wash clothes. It's essentially a film about exploitation. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, there's two there's two more dwarf songs after this. <laughs> Before we leave Hi Ho, and singers are working backwards through the song, the, the dig, 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 dig bits... Fantastic. <laughs> Lyrical genius. The sound when the sort of pickaxes are hitting the diamonds, that sort of foliage is stuck in my brain. <laughs> it's the perfect sound. <laughs> I think that's quite common in the film. Like the whistle while you work, there's a lot of like, onomatopoeic sounds, like when they're brushing with their tails, like the animals, like that's used in the song like and in the actual soundtrack versions well that it just really ties in with what i was saying at the beginning at the top of the podcast about the way they pioneered using sound because i think there's yes, a part yeah. as well in that hi-ho sequence where he hits 
a dud diamond and yes yes you can really hear that it's and it's just stuff like that which obviously before this it sounds silly but it's just like they didn't exist <laughs> so it's it's just it's just yeah it's it's interesting incredible but yes, there is two more dwarf songs after this, which I will spend very little time on. <laughs> One is called the Bloodle Uddle Um Dum song. That's right. Bloodle Uddle Um Dum, also known as the Dwarves Washing Song, as they wash their face and hands under Snow White's orders. I should change that to the totalitarian Snow White's orders. <laughs> uh, yeah, soon after that, we have the Dwarves Yodel song, also known as the Silly Song where the dwarves celebrate Snow White's arrival in a bit of a sort of soiree in the evening. <laughs> this section was supposed to be a different song, a song called You're Never Too Old, which I hasten to add is about having fun. However, I'm very much glad they went for the nonsensical, because here's one of the lyrics for this non-existent You're Never Too Old song. When you start to lose your figure, and your hips are getting bigger, your chest may slip, but don't you fret, no matter how weak your knees may get. That sounds like always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's where Eric Idle got it. I was thinking more like when I'm 64. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Precursor to that. But yeah, do you guys... I mean, these are kind of... For me, these are filler songs. Yeah. I don't think there's much to them or going on with them. No, I remember the scenes more than I remember yes, the songs. Yes, Like yes. the part with the washing song where uh, Dopey eats the soap. <laughs> Good old Dopey. But there was a real sense of dread in that scene. I watched it earlier, that like when they're trying to force Grumpy to get wash. There's like the music just really turns, and it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's happening? Yeah. It reminded. I think I've referenced it before, but the cartoon animated version of the the line of the witch in the wardrobe, where they're forcing uh, what's the name? Is it Asriel? I kind of forgotten the name of the line. Asgard. Aslan. Um, Aslan. 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 <laughs> Killing Aslan. It reminded me of that scene. And I also noted that in the uh, Yodel one, Grumpy aggressively playing the, the organ would be the most expressive <laughs> playing of the keys up until Roger in 101 Dalmatians. Very good. Can you name all seven dwarves? Well, so good. Do you want to take it in turns, Alex? Back and forth. Okay, Happy. Yep. Dopey. Mm-hmm. Bashful. Yep. Doc. Yep. Uh, Grumpy. Mm-hmm. How many have we got left? Two. 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 Uh, there's Remorseful. <laughs> Suicidey. <laughs> Sneezy is one of them, isn't it? Or... Oh, yeah, and Sleepy. And Sleepy, sleepy. Yeah. yeah. Would you like to hear some of the ones that missed the cut? Oh, my God, yes, I would, please. Yes, you ready? Yes, I'm yes, going to yes. run through this incredibly quick. And I've lost the loads, but <laughs> here's the, there's one that just creases me up. Okay, so there is Blabby, Busy, Crabby, Daffy, Deefy. <laughs> I don't know why Deefy just sounds terrible. Dirty, <laughs> Dirty, Dumpy, Dirty. Dumpy, Flabby. Gabby, Gaspy, Gloomy, Hotsy, Lazy, Nifty, Scrappy, Shifty, Snoopy, <laughs> Stubby, Thrifty, and Wheezy were all considered. Uh, and apparently Sneezy was actually a last minute substitute for Deefy. <laughs> <laughs> what does Deefy mean? How's it spelled? D double E F Y. Deefy? Maybe it's oh a my word God, that's Deefy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a word that's gone out of our lexicon. Yeah, maybe. 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 Okay, moving on to what, as Alex has pointed out, was intended to be the signing-off piece of the film. Someday My Prince Will Come, performed by Casalotti, revolves around Snow White's ultimate goal to reunite with her true love. It acts as the theme for the movie, and there's various orchestrated versions occurring throughout the film as sort of a leitmotif. 
you guys surprised me by saying that you didn't recognize this song before sort of looking into it or real uh, kind of this wasn't in your list of songs from the film yeah I, when I listened to it, I did recognise it, but it, I don't know. It just it, it just didn't come to me. The name's not ringing any bells. It's still not ringing. What? Are you being serious? <laughs> You've watched all the films recently, most of them, and you don't remember this. No. Has this song never resonated with you in your life? No, it hasn't. No. Mm, you're lucky you found your prince. <laughs> Alex, what about you? I thought it was a nice song. It wasn't a very long song. <laughs> I mean, how long to last in the film? Four verses, as Four well. Verses yeah, two verses and two chorus in the chorus. Yeah, basically, yeah. it is a theme. Yeah, I mean, it kind of. I suppose it's an extension of the earlier song, isn't it? The the wishing well song about that's her want song, and this is she's still sticking by that one. <laughs> I want the prince to arrive, please. Optimism. She's got a lot of optimism. I suppose it puts her in direct uh, parallel with the, with the queen, doesn't it? She's sort of like she. Yes willing to wait for um, her happy ending. She's not going out there and getting... But maybe that's to relate it to one of my favourite musicals, Hamilton. She is very much the Aaron Burr in this situation. Whereas <laughs> the is Queen is Hamilton, yeah. But in the, it's a reversal of fortunes, I suppose, versus Hamilton. Yes. It's quite a classical sort of... I mean, I guess it's from the grim tale, but it's very much so... You know, it's, that, it's the princess waiting on the prince to come and save them, isn't it? It's quite I suppose, uh, yeah. It's the, sort of the Rapunzel story. Which I think is quite well twisted in Tangled, when she leaves to go basically find her future. And also quite well in Shrek, you know, it's that sort of, it's the same sort of trope of just the, you know, the maiden waiting in the tower. Just, a, I guess, an, a classical view of the true love story. I think it just emphasises that in this song. But it's very interesting, I think, that you both thought it was, it's a bit of a meh song. Because, and this is going to bring me on to my top five... As we have talked about before, the American Film Institute at the end of the century did their 100 Years 100 lists feature. So lots of different lists on, you know, movies, uh, songs, quotes. And in the 100 greatest songs of the 20th century, this was in that list at number 19. It's quite high. It's very high, isn't it? Now, there are five other Disney songs in that top 100. One higher than Someday My Prince Will Come. So, what are those five okay. songs? Let's do this. Uh, Wish Upon a Star. Wish Upon a Star is, is the highest at number seven. It's got to be, hasn't it? Yeah, it is. So, so when, when was this list compiled, Ben? Uh, it was the end of the century, so it goes up to 2000. Oh, okay. When did Simba's Pride come out? <laughs> <laughs> Deception. Disgrace. Is that, is that on there? It is not. So, you've got four more, guys. The main song from Sleeping Beauty. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> the fact that you can't remember it probably says that no, it's not. It's not. Corel Deville. No. Nope. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata is on there, and it is at number ninety-nine. Come oh. on, Alex. Um, can you feel the love tonight? Nope. No more from Lion King. Circle of Circle Five. Oh, okay. No. More from <laughs> <Lion King>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Under the sea. Nope. Oh, the, it's be my guest. No, but you got the right film. Oh, Beauty and the Beast. The song. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number 62 now the other two that you've not got I will give you a clue because you guys are terrible oh the one from Dumbo where the mum sings no oh god that's not yeah, not, let's not start crying let's not start crying <laughs> the other two are from part live action films part animation part live action oh supercalifragilisticexpialidocious yes and number 36 live action this is the one every time I've asked this to someone they always forget this one and I'm not surprised oh it's not song of the south is it Oh, uh, zippity doo dah! Zippity doo dah! Number forty-seven. Oh, got it. Well done. Splash Mountain, the song. Splash Mountain, the song. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And the last fact that I have about Someday My Prince Will Come is, again, a very good fact. And I've been throwing these facts at you today. Yeah. We're all champions. Apparently, the chord structure of the song has an atypical quality to it. And I don't know what that means. But it led to the song becoming popular within jazz circles. So apparently, this song is now a big jazz song, of which the first ever jazz performance of it was by a group called the Ghetto Swingers, which was actually performed in Threischenstadt concentration camp in 1943. That is the first ever recorded version of a jazz performance of "Someday My Prince Will Come." Is it? Is it? Some, so is the chord? Is it the chord progression, or is it the the time of the song? Is it in a different time, like three, four, or something? It is. Yes. Or five, yeah. six. Yeah. And like, yeah, if you go listen, so there's, there's sort of, I mean, a lot of big jazz musicians, uh, Miles Davis, Dave Brubeck, they've all got versions of this on their like greatest hits and go listen to them. Some of them are really good on Spotify. And yeah, there are, I mean, there's a lot of versions of this song just in general popular culture. Um, I think the most <laughs> famous one is probably Barbara Streisand did a version on her greatest hits. Obviously, she extended the two verses chorus version of the song. There's a lot more of it, and she can bust them out. <laughs> the version that really caught my attention was uh, by Anastasia. Yes, there is an Anastasia version. <laughs> There's also a version by the Cheetah Girls, if you would also be interested in that sense. I did see that, yeah. <laughs> now it's time for this week's ultimate question, which is, what is the best song of Snow White? Uh, ben, you can go first this week, seeing as you have them all laid out in front of you. I do really like Hi-Ho. I feel like Disney has a long list of absolute ballads, you know, the classics, especially in the 90s, I think there's loads. And Someday My Prince Will Come, I think, easily falls into that category, I think, because it is just a very big song. A lot of the more jovial, jokey songs, I don't think, always last. And so I'm kind of stuck between those two. I think just for a bit of parity, I will go Someday My Prince Will Come, because I'm still hoping. (laughs) What about you, Alex? I think for me, it's just got to be the one that, that I remembered, and that was Hi Ho. You remember <laughs> too? You already forgotten about Whistle yeah, Work. I did remember Whistle Work, but I think uh, Hi Ho is the one that was the first one that immediately came to mind. Um, and I think just the fact that that's had such a longevity and everybody knows it. And everyone would know what it was from as well, I think, I feel. It's not like one of those songs which is like, oh, that's from something, but I don't remember what. Everyone would remember that it's the Seven Dwarfs in this film. The lasting power of that song, I'd have to go for that one. Cool. I'm sort of between two. And obviously those two are Whistle While You Work and Hi-Ho. I'm almost leaning Whistle While You Work just because of the revelation of the lyrics. Like, it's clearly not a song I remember it, remembered it was. So it's going to be a draw, guys. Three-way draw. One for the public. Whistle While You Work. I'm pretty sure I'll win. No, hi-ho. I, I think Alex will win, to be honest. Do you think? Hi-ho. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Let the people decide. Yeah. I mean, you only get four options for a poll on Twitter, so I think I'll just pick okay. these three. And uh, one song. <laughs> <laughs> Won by Metallica. <laughs> yes, as, 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 as his origins are known. Okay, so thank you for joining us today. We had a lot of fun, didn't we, guys? Oh, yeah. Always. Let us know what you think of the songs, and you can do that on Twitter. What is our Twitter handle, Ben? TSFTMPod. Nailed it. So if you want to help us out, you can do that in multiple ways. Alex, what subreddit should somebody share this on? Um, Harry Stockwell's subreddit. <laughs> I love that you remembered. <laughs> I'm not reading it off my phone. <laughs> and you can also help us on patreon it starts from one pound a month or one dollar fifty depending where where you are in the world you can get yourself on a future episode telling us what you think of a song in the movie patreon.com forward slash tsftm and you can also help us by buying our fantastic merch maybe you could get a christmas jumper in time for christmas 2021 
That's at tpublic.com forward slash TSFTM. So all that's left now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. One song. I have but one song. He's quite good, isn't he? I won't try and sing. Okay, okay. And goodbye from Ben. God save Deefy. <laughs> so goodbye, everybody. Bye. Kind oh, Deefy. Another successful podcast.